everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. Hey everybody, how are you all doing out there? I'm, we're still a little early here, but we've started the, the broadcast and we are so excited to have Robert Racino with us today. And, uh, and we've got all our staff. So you've got Lisa and Mark and Areeb and myself. And, and I'm here in Colorado and Lisa is probably at home in New Jersey and Mark is in Bangladesh and Areeb is in Pakistan. And Robert's in San Diego, where I spent. So I'm, very lucky. So I'm, I'm, I'm the foreigner here, huh? Um, no, not really. Unless you call California another country now. <laughs> it is. We'll talk about it. <laughs> so. Um, Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll actually formally get started here in just a little bit. So thank you all for coming in. And uh, I recognize some names out there. Say hi to some people. Merlin, how you doing? Wayno, how are you? Um, and I did get your book that you sent me, Wayno. And this is, it's interesting. Sometimes I get called Wayno. And this fellow who's on as a guest today and is a, his, his name's Wayne, but he actually changed his, his spelling. So he calls himself Wayno, W-A-N-O. And we're actually going to have him for a webinar someday. He's a he's got a great uh, business dealing with uh, structured water, different things. But good to have you on. And uh, we are going to get started here in just a, a little bit, and and just have sort of a fun interview session with Robert. We've got some 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 um, web pages of some of the things he's got up in the air, and uh, we'll go to those, and and we'll just have some fun. So Robert, why don't uh, why don't we get started? Um, I've had the pleasure of being with Robert for a weekend back about a month and a half ago, and I met him through my interest in a project that is near and dear to his heart. And what he probably will tell you is his sort of primary life project right now, although he's done a lot of things. And that is a site that he acquired in the center section of the United States, South Dakota, where it was an ex-army ammunition depot called Igloo, and he acquired it and is now turning it into a resilient community with people that can be living there and doing fun things while everything's good in the world and being ready for times when things aren't so good. And we'll talk more about that. So hi, Robert. How are you doing today? And uh, tell us a little bit about where you're at and how you're doing today. Well, it's a long story. It all started when I was 11. No, okay. There's a story there. There, there. there is, but not for your audience. <laughs> it's just a funny story. Okay. Anyway, whenever you go to a store like Starbucks, they go, how are you today? And I always go, well, not too good. Go, oh, okay, what, you, what would you like to drink? And I always go, well, I told you, I'm not doing too well. I said, oh, what's the matter? I said, well, it all started when I was 11. Then, then they go, well, that's the long story. Uh, a long version and a short version, but I won't go there at all. Anyways, one of the things I like to do is joke around a lot. And the nature of the business we're in, it's compulsory. You uh, you need to look at the lighthearted side of things. Otherwise, it's doom and gloom. And, you know, you'll never get out of bed. So um, what you were referring to is a former military site army where they made bombs for World War II. It was called um, Black Hills uh ordnance depot so bhod and then it was called fort igloo and the army uh retired it in 1966 i believe 
And they gave it to the local community of Edgemont. If somebody wants to look that up, we're right next to it. And that community didn't know what to do with it. There's like hmm, 25,000 acres. And so they broke it into three parts. Uh, I got the biggest piece. And they are um, they sold it off to ranchers to raise and graze cattle. Uh, so since the mid-60s, it's been nothing but cattle out there. And uh, in around 2016, I was con contacted by one of the ranchers by email. He said, would you be interested in acquiring the site? And um, I was just about to hit delete. And I said, wait a minute, what is that? So I went on, uh, where did I go? One of the encyclopedia websites, Wikipedia. Looked it up and I said, oh yeah. So within two or three minutes, I called the guy. I said, yep, I'm interested. And he said, okay, how do you want to proceed? I said, why don't you fly down here? I live in Del Mar, just north of San Diego, beautiful overlooking the ocean and the racetrack and so on. So he said, okay. So he came down the next day. You knew he was a rancher when he came through my beautiful front door with stuff on his boots. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't mud. I'll just put it that way. So, uh, you know, um, but we spent a couple days together and worked out a deal. And uh, the deal, um, I think what I am most is a negotiator because the deal was one dollar i will acquire the site for 99 years for one dollar and he goes well how does that work and i said well you will have a new cash flow i will we will share in the proceeds you continue to graze your cattle so you're having your cake and eating it too and he said wow yeah i like that so we drew up agreements and within 30 days i had control of the site except for the grazing and um, I said to him, by the way, what would you sell that property for, the whole thing? He said, $25 million. And I said, no, I like our deal. So um, we continued on for about two years. Let's see, 2020, well, three years later. And um, he got in trouble with his bank, the whole ranching industry is in trouble and right now they're in trouble because you know they're trying to outlaw bees and so on and so on so he had a 12 and a half million dollar note due to the bank and he couldn't pay it so he was uh, at risk of losing a bunch of properties but not this one because this one wasn't uh the bank didn't have a lien on it. so i said um uh, i said so now you want to sell it he says yeah i said how much and he said 12 million and I said, nah, I like our deal. Let's just continue on. So he came back to me a few months later and he says, you know, I really got to sell. And I said, okay, how much? And he said, six million. And so I said, hmm, nah, I think you're way overpriced. You know, I've done a little research on ranch land up there and cost per acre. And so we, uh, I, I got him down to 500 and ten dollars an acre which was 2.6 million uh and he had a loan on the property that i was able to assume it was short had two years two and a half years remain so anyways don't want to sound like a banker but i ended up acquiring a loan buying the property uh never put any money into it in fact that original dollar i sent him i got it in my drawer right here it came back as undeliverable wrong address so I ended up paying nothing for the property. Um, and it's a gonna be a $50 million project by the time we're done. But that's only one of several that we have around the country. We have another one in Indiana. We're working on a couple others that I don't wanna announce because I don't wanna cannibalize what we already have moving along. And, uh, but anyway, she would say, you know, okay, you, you made some true deals, but uh, why? Why did you wanna, why bother? And the answer is, um, I had a vision and when I was in 82, I was in my 20s. I had a company at that time making uh, a different product. It was a manufacturing company. 
and I had uh, 200 employees in my place. So in those days, you know, before the internet, that was pretty hard to achieve, especially again, starting with nothing. And so, um, but I did it and I got, had this vision in my head. It was crystal clear voice. Uh, it was a woman and she addressed me by my first name, Robert. And first of all, I got to, you know, clarify. I think it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But uh, the voice clear in my head said, Robert, you need to build deep underground bunkers to uh, help thousands of people survive what's coming our way. And the key in that statement was coming our way, which means it's not here. It's not here yet. It's not here now. And that didn't mean Russia, China, uh, North Korea, Iran, any of that stuff at that time. So, and why me? You know, I wasn't into any of this. I wasn't into survivalism and, uh, or being a survivor and um, didn't even know what the problems were. So I um, said, okay, thought about it. And I got some friend, we went up to the hills in Southern California and looked at some old mines that I hoped I would find one cavernous enough to create a, you know, like a gold mine up there that I could uh, uh, clear it out, put in, uh, you know, harden it, doors, dining, toilets, everything you need for a livable, habitable space for a thousand people. And so... Unfortunately, I couldn't find one mine that could even accommodate me without crawling. So those so-called caves were very narrow veins. And so I gave that up. And then I thought, well, how would I even do this? And, you know, how would I pay for it? And uh, the, the gym model, you know, where you, you're a membership at a gym uh, came to mind. And so you'd be a member, which would allow you to get in. And I used it, this thought of a round number that I thought might cover it. And in my early 80s, the number was $10,000 per person. Well, it's, uh, it's not that price now, but um, let me just continue with the crazy. So everybody thought I was crazy. And to even entertain it, why, why distract myself from what I had gone? And uh, so, but I did. And so... I shared it with others. They said it's crazy. So I tucked it away for about five years and mentioned it to a, a, a deal, that, a guy that we were going to have a big, pretty big deal. Um, and that kind of cleared the deal. So that's fine. Um, he wasn't into it at all. So then uh, another five years went by and I thought of it again, shared, shared it with a few people. Uh, another five years and this repeated itself up until 2007 when I mentioned it to some of my then employees and they said Robert you got to do this you got to do it now and they pointed out a bunch of things that were happening it was just before Obama got in uh, or coming in as we could see it and uh, and so on so I dropped everything I was doing and went full steam and full time into this project. I was already, I had a significant net worth. Uh, for example, this nice home I'm sitting in um, uh, was paid for and built in 2003. It was completed. Broke ground on the, the eve of 9-11. The bulldozers were here and I couldn't stop it. The bank had approved the loan. I had to proceed. So here I am building a brand new beautiful home and 9-11 just happened. And so I started to tune into some of this stuff. But um, by 2007, it was all, it was very apparent, all the stuff that's going on, including I learned about a couple of things that I didn't realize or know about in the early 80s. And that is uh, an asteroid that's heading our way called Apophis due to uh, pass very, very closely or in fact hit us. In uh, I think it's 2029. Then, if it misses us, it'll come around again even closer. 
2036. So you got to wonder how good is NASA at predicting, you know, what other forces are out there that could uh, nudge this thing towards towards Earth. But anyways, that's one thing that's coming our way. Another is, and many believe it, uh, I would say this was my number one belief, and that is Nibiru, planet X, the sister planet to our own planet, our own sun. I'm sorry, sister nemesis to our own sun. Most uh, solar systems are binary, and they're trying to, uh, or they're, uh, there's a twin star. Well, ours never ignited. It, it is, it's, it's a only visible in the infrared spectrum. What's interesting is uh, in early 1983, uh, NASA put up a telescope, no, I'm sorry, a satellite into space. And it was called the IRAS, Infrared uh, Spectrum, forgot what the age did, for. and uh, Astronomic uh, Spectrum. So their purpose, the only purpose of this, of this uh, satellite was to look for Planet X, a.k.a. Nibiru. And they found it because it's only visible in the infrared spectrum. But they found it and got out to the news. It was on the front page of U.S. Uh, news and World Report. It made it to the New York Times, Washington Post, a whole bunch of major publications. And Ronald Reagan was briefed on it. He was president at the time. And he, um, he realized the ramifications of putting a story out or telling people about a threat that the government does not have a solution to. All right, that's where all hell breaks loose, panic, chaos, so on. So they decided it was better not to tell the public. And he wrote an executive order back in 83 that no government official was ever to speak of it again publicly. And so, but what they did was starting building deep underground bunkers, they're called gums, military bunkers, uh, up and down the Rockies. Uh, also a few Mount Weather and others near uh, Washington. Uh, and they even built underground rails, uh, trams that can move at, I don't know, I haven't been on one yet, but uh, supposedly twice the speed of sound. So you can get from DC to Denver pretty quickly. And um, they have a deep underground bunker under the Denver airport. That's verified. I can tell you how to verify it for yourself. And, uh, but anyways, it's big enough for thousands of people. Uh, and presidents such as Obama uh, flew to Denver uh, without an appointment to meet or see anybody, got off his plane, went down underneath the airport and wasn't found for an hour. Then he, he came back up and left and went back to Washington. So various presidents have visited the site just to inspect to see what's there. I was told and called about it early on when I, when I launched Vivos. And I am uh, one of the group that people in the group that contacted me said that he he was the program for the guest list and i said so are you on the list and he said i am now so he uh he finagled his family on that but anyways other than the government who has massive deep underground bunkers and if you're not on their guest list you're not military you're not government official for whatever reason they want to save you um, there you have Vivos. Vivos, which is the name of the company that I <laughs> launched, which means the living or to survive. Um, and that's what the military base is called. It's called Vivos X Point. Uh, an X Point is a point in time when you're going to need an underground shelter to survive. And um, so the, the site, if, if I can go back to that, is about nine square miles uh, in the primary area where the uh, bunkers are sitting. Each bunker is about 2,100 square feet with a 12-foot ceiling. They're domed. They're buried under mounds of earth. And the earth 
uh, there you go. The earth um, protects it, the concrete protects. That's a typical blast door on the front. But anyways, so they're about 2,100 square feet. There's 575 of them uh, on the property. And once again, we tried to figure out how do we deliver these to people that uh, get it, and I'll say get it and get it and get it again, that see what's going down in the world, see what's happening to America, see and are much more knowledgeable on certain subjects than I am. In fact, I learn a lot from these, our members, but um, we're, we lease the bunkers instead of selling. We lease them for 99 years, which is a maximum term you can lease a property in the United States. Old common law, common law. law. So the, uh, uh, the uh, bunkers are delivered, there's an upfront payment, then they have a long-term ground. Effectively, they're buying the bunker and leasing the land that sits under it. And then they go in and, and the whoever's leased it builds out the interior to whatever degree they want. Some of them beautiful home-worthy interiors. Uh, you probably have some pictures there. Um, and uh, others are just doing what's called glamping, where the uh, interior is um, it's more tents and carpets and furnishings and you just don't have real two by four walls on the inside. In my opinion, is you don't need them. Uh, it's a bunker. It's not a home away from home. But that said, about 50, 60 people live there right now. They've retired, they've moved there full time. And most of them, we've put on our work crews because we have a shortage of workers to do all this construction, build out roads, dirt movement, concrete repair, you name it. We've got, we've had, we formed a construction company just to, to deal with all of that. So anyways, I think you asked me a question an hour ago. Um, and, uh, you know, that's my story. I'm going to stick with it. But the, the other thing that kind of will help people get a, an idea how big is big is the uh, the site is three quarters the size of Manhattan, right? Every bunker is, is separated by 400 feet. I see you're showing everybody your collection of, of pictures, Wayne. You know, um, oh, there we are in the back. You are in the back. There's Robert right there, everybody. He's driving and we're in the back of a, of a vehicle, a Hummer that he's got out there. It's a military uh, 1993, actual military. I bought it at an army auction. Good deal. Um, so, and it's out there. Can you zoom on that? It's uh, out there full. Yeah. Without, yeah. So uh, it's out there to do tours with and so on. And it, that's its new home full time. And as you found, you went for a ride from one side of the property to the other. Takes a long time, right, Wayne? Oh yeah, several hours. Yeah, it's big, this property. You went up on the, I took you up on top of a hill where you can oversee the entire site. What was your impression when you did that? Well, it's, I, mean, I think you know how spectacular I believe it is. Uh, yeah, it's impressive. And, and for everybody's benefit, he hasn't mentioned this yet. There's over a hundred miles of roads that they built out there. And they were originally all, they were all asphalt, like you're seeing right here. This, and even where the grass is grown over them, once you drive on them for a while, they become just like this one was. This, they didn't go out there and scrape this. This was what it became as vehicles started to drive back and forth over it. This is actually the unit that Robert and his family and his, his son and others stay in when they're there visiting and at the sites. Wayne, why don't you go to my website and you can see the interior of that and some other Yeah, stuff. Mark, why don't you pull that one up? You've got that. Um, it'd be faster. So, okay. Yeah. So anyways, Wayne, um, sorry to make a long story out of it, but you kind of got to get the beginning and the end. And if we want to say this is the end, it's not. Um, you know, we're still building out bunkers. We got a 
two-year backlog. We got people uh, in line to get in. Uh, membership applications, 40, 50 a day. Uh, just scroll down a little and they'll see the interior of, oh, here we go. There see, we it go. says X. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Click on that one where it says X point. There. And so that'll bring up a page dedicated just to what we're talking about here, X point. And if you'll scroll down, you'll see some pretty nice interior shots. Uh, there's a lot of videos. We've had there. You go. We've had a lot of news media from all over the world. I would say every major news publisher and broadcaster have been to the site. And it's funny because we had um, a Japanese news crew come out years ago, and they brought the the reporter, an older woman woman and they said that she was the Barbara Walters of Japan. I said, oh, that's impressive. And she asked me, she goes, what were these uh, bunkers built for? And uh, I didn't have the heart to tell her bombs that we blew up to, uh, Japan with. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it's appropriate, but um, that is the truth. And uh, all of that is gone. By the way, people might be thinking, well, is Vivos a target? No, we're 100. We're 100 miles from the nearest nuclear target. Everybody knows that uh, this former fort was retired in the 60s. Nobody's going to waste a nuclear bomb on it. That's the least of our worries. In fact, where we are, we don't have too many worries. We're 4,000 foot altitude. There's no immediate um, uh, fault zone around us. Um, there's a good map showing you approximately where it is. I mean, I could see why the Army chose this location. Uh, you know, being high and dry is another key figure or point. I always, that's our criteria for finding new sites. They must be high and they must be dry. And dry meaning that if there was a major tsunami like on the coast, uh, it's not going to submerge us. So that wipes out a lot of uh, territory when you, when you, prescribe uh, the requirements to be high and dry. Um, and yet not too high, or you won't get to it in the middle of the winter without a snow snowbird or something. And so uh, so this one is just perfect. Uh, and we're adding a lot of amenities, such as bar and grill, uh, the community center, laundromat, uh, gym and uh, medical office or clinic, um, all sorts of things. Um, and uh, But right now we're having trouble keeping up with the bills, uh, customer bills that have uh, that are on schedule and have paid for and so on. It's a, it's a good position to be in, but a bad because we want to deliver these as fast as possible. And our problem is we can't find enough workers. So we, whenever I hear somebody applies and wants to buy a bunker at Bevos, then I immediately ask, do they have any skills? And are they going to be there full time? And if they do, then we will hire them. They can work part-time, full-time, doesn't matter. We've got plenty of work. So any of your listeners out there that want a new job, uh, we've got all the work you can imagine, from electrical to plumbing to every every trade. Um, Wayne, scroll down a little bit. Let's see what else we got to show you. Keep going, Mark. Scroll down. Yeah. So this is a map I put together that shows the blue or purple is predicted of uh, flood zones, submersion zones. When and if we have a pole shift. Uh, this was originally put together by the U.S. Navy, but many psychics and prophets have, have uh, seen the exact same shapes. So I don't know if it is or isn't, we provide it to you. Um, the yellow is uh, high crime district. Uh, so I need some glasses here. Um, then we got nuclear targets, those red dots. And Yellowstone is that gray area over uh, Wyoming. That's the uh, predicted blast uh, zone. Uh, and you can see we're we're well out of that. So we're we're in an area, a little pocket that is away from everything else. 
somebody said, would you build a bunker in LA? No. Washington, DC? No. New York? No. Um, or Chicago? No. It's uh, simply because they are ground zero. And we want to get people away from ground zero uh, where they have a better chance of surviving. And then, you know, you hear stories like people say, yeah, but if this happens, government's going to come and take it over. Why? Why would they travel so far for nothing? I mean, we're a few hundred people. You know, they're going to go after the cities. Those big yellow dots, that's where they're going. And we'll put a fence around it real fast. So your problem is don't worry about us. Worry about what you are going to do when, when it does hit the fan. And it will. And be it a man-made disaster or, uh, or natural, and I've prescribed to both, um, you know, as possible or, or at the same time. You know, no matter what the event is, we've mapped them all out. Uh, let's say it's an asteroid. This happens, then that, then that, then that, then that. The final that in the sequence is always anarchy. Um, survivors, those that have have survived, have a means of surviving, they have a gun, uh, they're healthy enough to, to get out, but they're going to come and take what you got. You know, the Brookings Institute did a report before the U.S. Uh, Congress back in night, or, uh, 2008 when Obama got in. And they said our biggest threat to America was an ENP, electromagnetic pulse, created by one of two sources. One is uh, a nuclear device set off high above you know, the surface, or several of them. And the other is a electro or solar uh, magnetic uh, wave from the sun. Um, and coronal mass ejection, and either one of those will send so much radiation at the planet that it will knock out the grid. It'll burn every wire, and as it did in 19 or 1859 to the Carrington event, where it actually followed um, wires to the telegraph offices and where the machine was, the telegraph ticker, it, um, they exploded and started fires. Some of the fence posts along the barbed wire in, in farmer's fields caught fire. So, um, and that was then. We didn't have an internet like today. We don't have how, we didn't have wired houses, but look what we have now. So they said that if it happens, 95% uh, of Americans would be dead within one year. They'll kill themselves off, the haves and the have nots. And, um, the uh, the other five percent will have survived because they were in the right place at the right time and defended their their uh, their ground and uh, that's about when society will start to um, settle down get back to some semblance of society and peace and helping each other and so on and we start again you know. Uh, you know, our, our slogan is the next phase of humanity. We hope to be the ones that get off the ark. We hope that Vivos is, and all of our Vivos uh, underground bunkers are the arcs. Um, but I can tell you, I'd much rather be there than where I'm sitting right now in Southern California. Um, you know, I'm 20 miles north of downtown San Diego. I don't know what, to, I, haven't, I was gonna check in fact the other day what uh, what size nuke we can handle, and the nearby uh, Air Force base, uh, which I can hear the booms. They had a uh, air show yesterday, so if the boom can get to us, I imagine a nuclear blast can. So this is not a safe place to be, and I bet wherever you are or they are, um, you know, it's the same. It's it's the same reality. So then people say, well, how do you get there? You get there any way you can. You get there because the sabers are rattling or the drums are beating or the news is predicting. Um, you go. You might be premature. It may be a false alarm, but better to have a false alarm than no alarm at all. Okay. Are you, are you, um, pleased when the fire department comes out because they suspect a fire 
or gas leak or so on, or are you upset when they came out? And there was, it was a false alarm. No, we, we like false alarms. Um, hopefully minimized, but you know they're good. It gives you a chance to stretch your legs and go to your bunk or live there, which as I said, many are already there. So, um, you know, as I said on uh, often on major, yeah, which box I think, yeah, it's the one piece of property you own, but never never want to go to. Hopefully, never need to use. Well, but for those, when, you know, you can't run out to Home Depot to buy a, buy a fire extinguisher when your uh, kitchen catches fire. Say to the fire, oh, hang on, don't spread, I'll be right back. You know, and head over to uh, Home Depot to buy one. So um, you have to be prepared. And I was on Fox earlier when they were cynical about all this. And the guy says, well, aren't you capitalizing on people's fears? And I said, no, 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 I'm not here to compete with you. Isn't that what you guys do every day with every news broadcast? You go alert, alert, alert. You present the story and then you go to commercial. I don't go to commercial. I don't send out a word. People come to us. We don't sell anybody. You know, we have this for information purposes. Vivo has never, ever paid for advertising or PR. So, um, and we turn down the Wayne company, so privileged. We turn down about 50% of the media required inquiries we get because they're in locations, and, you know, do we want to go do a tour of X point with, so they can get a camera's view for China? I don't think so, you know, or some other place that we're, we're not there yet, and we probably never will be, um, you know, these various nations. So, you know, we, capital, we maximize our, our time, we have short staff, and, uh, but also if they've got an edge or an attitude, which MSNBC does, and I made the mistake of going on there once, and she goes, well, how, how do we know that these are safe? So how do you know that the house you're living in, the office building you're, all, we're, we're talking, you're talking from, or the bridge you're gonna drive over is? You know, you, you trust engineers, and these were built by the Army Corps of Engineers at no expense, you know, to, to left out. So how can you, uh, I said, if it, I'd be more worried about yourself and ask that question of you and your colleagues, not of Vivas. And, uh, you know, I had another news media, it was uh, NPR. Uh, and I've been asked many times to be on NPR. Lately, I turned them down. But this one, it was a, there was a, a young reporter in her 20s, I gathered, in San Francisco. So she was, uh, well, you can figure it out. From there. And uh, she, I was in a broadcast booth in San Diego. It was a satellite uh, interview. And there was a sound man, and he had his booth. And I'm looking at him, he's looking at me. And I knew she was going to try and do a gotcha. And she did. She goes, well, aren't you kind of a modern-day Noah? And I said, no, I don't aspire to be Noah. But I do know of this. This shit's going to happen. And she came back with something else a few minutes later. I can't remember that one. Um, I was on Sunshine Australia one morning. And... Guy was really cocky, and he said, "Well, if all this happens, won't you be the new free leader, the leader of the free world?" And I said, "No, no, no, I'm, I've never given that a thought." I said, "But you know what? Now that you mention it, you sound pretty good. Why don't you, as soon as we get off the air here, send me your resume? I'll pass it around." You know, um, and so when they get cynical with me live. I prefer live. Uh, I just come back real fast. And um, and so you got to be witty and you got to shut them down because they will uh, they will, you know, try to try to come after you. And, um, you know, an another Fox interview, the guy uh, said something and I, I ended it with the last words in the, in the 
in the, in the show. And I said, uh, you know, survival and shelter are not four-letter words. And he looked at me. He didn't know how to respond. And he goes, no, I guess not. You know, because, you know, they, they would like to see you be off guard. I don't know. Maybe they're jealous that they didn't come up with it. I don't know. But why would anybody want to discourage anybody else from cracking? Okay. Why? Um, you know, it's, a, it's now they're going after Christians. You know, uh, why? Because they're good people. They haven't done anything wrong with, them. you know, they're not buying into their um, uh, hysterics, you know, the hysterics of uh, the far left. And, um, you know, so I have a lot of political opinions. These are the various floor plans uh, that we will build out and you can see furniture. And these are just showing how it could be arranged. Popular right now. It's got a store. It's got a uh, scroll up a little bit. Plan C has a. Uh, you go up more. Up, up, up. Um, it has a uh, there. That orange thing in the back. That's a master bedroom, and it's actually a little wider than it's depicted there, uh, and a private bath, um, and so on. So. Anyways, there's a lot of technicalities that go into these things, like you see the red striped uh, area next to the bathroom there. That's an escape hatch to get out the back. Uh, the front door is the other red stripes at the other end. But effectively, each one of these are submarines. They are totally autonomous. We don't provide power. Uh, we don't provide air. All of that is uh, done independently. Each bunker installs their own uh, filtration system for nuclear, biological, and chemical, which are HEPA, HEPA filters and carbon filters. Um, then uh, they also have their own generators. Again, you mentioned 100 miles. We couldn't begin to put in 100 miles of power with grid. And if we did, again, the price would have had to be a lot more, which we're trying to keep down. So um, this is the best solution. Everybody's independent. They just have to be with their bunker ready. Um, and, uh, but they store their own fuel. Um, everything's independent. The only thing we provide uh, is water. We have a well at that site that's 4,300 40, feet deep, uh, drilled by the Army. I don't know what that would cost today, a million bucks. But um, the big pipe, I think it's 10 inch. And the water is down into what's called the aquifer, Madison aquifer. It comes out of the ground, we pump it up. And it, when it comes out of the ground, it's about 120, 130 degrees naturally. We then send it, pump it up to a cistern that the army built and it's buried. You remember I showed you where it was, it was like a little hill of its own. And that's a quarter million gallons of water. And so when you drive through the West, you'll see these water tanks, like on a spindle with a ball on top. That's a water tank. And what happens is the city pumps the water up at night. And then in the day, as water is needed, they drain it. And gravity feeds that water to every uh, customer, every home, every business, and so on. Same thing with us. Once it's up the hill in that cistern, we, uh, we've installed so far probably 25 miles of uh, water line. Uh, we have to dig down six feet. It's two inch diameter. It's an HDPE, I believe, type of plastic that you, know, you, can't, you can't hurt. It'll last forever. But we're down below the frost line and we distribute with gravity the water from the cistern to each one of those bunkers. So I don't know if I'm getting too technical, but- no, no, um, Mark, scroll back up a little bit. I'll show, I think this one photo and Robert can verify whether I'm right or not, is actually where the cistern is. And go, keep going, Mark, a little further up. You're almost there. 
Next one, a little more, a little more. There, that one, right? Yeah, it's, that, it's up, up in that area. This up is on that hill, area. yeah. Right, up on this hill here. So this is, what is it, Robert? About 400 feet higher than the than this, the area that the bunkers is in, the highest spot on the site, which we drove to. It's up, up here. Uh, no, I think from the highest bunker to the cistern, it's about 250 feet. Too which good. is enough. Yeah. yeah, it's enough. Those towers that we talk about in small suburbs or small communities, those are only, you know, 100 feet tall. So so there's more than enough pressure. Uh, we've so far taken, if you scroll up just a little bit, you see that colored map to the right? Okay, underneath it, it says enlarge. Yeah, click on that enlarge, man. Yeah. And... So now you'll see one of these days a, uh, a, a zoomed in map of coming, coming. By the way, I just had the bunker that I have out there, everybody, um, water, my water put in, and I'm at one of the lower areas, and I actually have to flow reduce because there's so much pressure coming and I, I'm here in the B area. I am about right uh, here, right? I've got- No, no, you're to the left, B. Here, here, yeah. I don't see your mouth. Yeah, there, you're about there. Yeah. And so we've, we've leased out most of B, there's only 20 units left. Most of B, there's just a couple infill units. Uh, and same thing with that. So, and those are the 80 footers. Then if you see area A and D, those are down to 60 footers. Um, so they're shorter, still plenty big, but they're less square footage. Um, and they're gonna be the same price as the others. So 180, now it's, it's now or never. Then you see off to the right of F, it says H, that's where all the amenities are, the gym, and isn't the it isn't the well, Robert, up for the cistern? Come keep down farther, Mark. Again, I think there's a little circle where the cistern is. It's right near there. H. Right there. Right? Yeah. The, the cistern. Uh, let's see. Scroll down. Uh, no. The no? cistern. Go up to the left. See where the word "vivos" is. Go down. Go down. Go down. Go to the right. Go to the left. Um, anyways, where it says Vivos, look to the right. There's a thin red there, thin red line. That's the uh Yeah, that's what I was talking about. That on when it's on mine, it's pretty well expanded. And so you can see that dotted red line, which is probably the water line coming in from the cistern. So give me an idea how big is big. If you go up on the hill, which you did, Wayne, uh, you can't see the farthest bunker over at the far end of B or C. Oh no! They're, they're, they're like specs. Yeah. It's like being at one end of New York and trying to see the other end. It's uh, this thing is humongous. And well, right yeah. below, down here at the bottom, everybody is the scale. That's a mile way at the bottom below the word Vivos, right where the first red dot is, where the road's coming yeah. up. There's a mile, yeah. so that, that it's a long way, everybody. So. And where that lower mile thing is, to the left of that, we're putting in a runway. So a lot of people have private planes. They want to be able to get there. I even at one point said, well, maybe we ought to start the Vivos Air Force. And what that would be is any member that has a bunker is willing to share it with a pilot. Go find a pilot at your local airport that has access to a plane. Notice I didn't say you it. With enough seats, to, spare seats for you and your family, make a deal, tell them what it is, and if and when it does hit the fan, you will accommodate him in your shelter if he flies you there. And so that's a huge bonus to a guy. And you may never ever need him or whatever happens is so sudden you can't fly, I don't know. But you, you know, no matter what it is, even nuclear, you're gonna be able to drive. And, and you might have to hunker down somewhere for two, 20, uh, what is it, uh, 28 days or two weeks. Uh, till the surface radiation half-life is 
past so that you can, you know, drive there at least. And, um, you know, the beauty of a hunter is you can drive there and put on your military uniform and put a few stars on it just for added insurance. So anyways, we also have uh, Vivos, Indiana. You want, you want to go back to that? Uh, uh, you go to the main page and Terra uh, Vivos and just keep going back and you get more. Anyways, and you can see, uh, go back again. And go back again. What a good backseat navigator I am. Huh? Anyways, um, there you go. Now scroll up a little. And you can see we have all sorts of different. Uh, I guess you, you got to scroll down. Um, keep going down. We're looking for Vivos, Indiana. Keep going down. There it is on the right. Just click on that. Um, there's an interesting point to be made about that in the media. CNBC did a story on this, on that shelter. They sent out a satellite truck. This was 10 years ago. And um, there was a guy who was the uh, father of CNBC you know, broadcasters. His name was Mark. Can't remember as I say, but anyways, he what caught his attention in wanting to do a story on Vivos was somebody was out there, some whack job saying that uh, the world was going to end on May twentieth of that year or twenty first, and so that was on a Saturday. So Mark Haynes is was his name. So anyways, so uh, we he starts out the segment by saying. What are you doing tomorrow night? Going out for dinner, a move, getting ready for the end of the world. And um, so he, uh, uh, and he handed it off to the reporter. And the reporter said, yeah, I'm here. It's real. There it is. There's pictures of the inside of that one. It's, it's like a five-star underground cruise ship. And uh, that one accommodates 80 people under one roof, and it's less expensive per person if you're just one or two people, that's where you'd want to go. Uh, it's fully stocked and so on. But anyways, back to Mark Haynes. So the report was done. That was Mark Haynes' last report of the week. And the next day, he died uh, of a cause that they wouldn't disclose. Um, and it's funny because every time I heard him, his voice was so... I pitched like he had some strangling. I just noticed it for years. So uh, I don't know. Then thereafter, I tell reporters that come to the story. I uh, I'll say, you remember that guy? He goes, oh yeah. Well, we were his final story. So the bigger treat as well. <laughs> um, and so uh, you know, nobody wants to make fun of that, but. It, it's um, it's it's ironing. It's definitely ironing. So there's the kitchen, uh, one of the bathrooms. Can you shrink your screen a little? Though it won't be cut off. And there's one of the shower bathrooms, the back area, all the lighting, mechanical. We call that the pump room. And uh, there's, I guess, six bathrooms, two showers. That's the engine room. Those are 100, 100 kW generators. Uh, that's one of the standard bathrooms without a Yeah, maybe. Um, can you scroll down? Let's see what's on the page without it. I mean, we got a sense of that. People can go to that on their own, but um, well, that's it. So there's a lot of videos at the very top. Travel Channel did a really nice video. Um, and so we've hosted media there one time we, or I guess several times, we've taken them there in a, in a black sprinter, pick them up at the airport, tape the windows with aluminum foil, take their phones, turn them off, and they had no idea where they were. We would take them to the site, drive around in a few circles and on dirt roads, and then take them into the compound and they get to see them. 
Um, and first thing they go is, oh my God, it's real. Yeah, it's real. What'd you think? So uh, anyways, that uh, site can be submerged. It has special water valves and gates that we put in. It could be submerged by 200 feet, temporarily. We're not a submarine, so if that water doesn't go away, we're not going down. But if you knew the cause of why the water is coming, is it a tsunami that will wash over? Um, or what exactly? You may not want to be in there in the first place. So you, you know what's happening, what's going to happen. You open the door, you get out and go for high ground. You can always go back to your shelter when the water subsides. So there's just so many things that this uh, that Velos resolves, but we can't resolve everything. We can't. It's we call it life assurance, but we can't guarantee you're going to survive. If it's a direct nuclear hit, probably not. But again, we're 100 miles. If is it a uh, if it's a uh, uh, an asteroid? lands on top of you. you know, there's, there's an asteroid crater in Arizona. It's a mile wide, not deep. But um, so you can only, you know, maybe we're resolving 98% of the particular problem. And uh, I'll tell you what, most people right now, Wayne, am I digressing too much? Oh, great. No, this is fine. We're good. Okay. okay. Well, let me know if you need a, a wake up. So um, the uh, what most people are worried about is the world has, is, or at least America, seems to be going mad. You know, this whole agenda, you know, what really bothers me is the uh, transgender, uh, you know, without parents' approval. I'm sure most of your audience uh, would likewise. Imagine if they did that to you or one of your children. Uh, and the question is why? What is their motivation? Now, some say it's a thinning of the population. Um, and uh, it's the ultimate goal. But if you look at everything they're doing to destroy this country, you know, no border, southern border, it's gone. And oh well, we've done we we've done more than any other president, you know, blah, 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 both. They've done more to bring in potential voters for themselves. But then I started thinking it goes beyond voting. They just want to dissolve and dilute this country to where, you know, it, it isn't great again. And, uh, you know, the violence that's happening, if it's, if it's uh, a right wing, oh, you're bad, you go to jail. You can't even stand in the middle, uh, on the side of the street across from a, an abortion clinic. Close your eyes. Say nothing. And you get arrested. Because it's uh, presumed you're praying. So what? Since when is prayer not a protected amendment? And so, um, you know, speech, our speech is declared violence, but their speech is excused as free speech. You know, um, they're taking away man, men's masculinity. I don't know what the uh, sperm count is these days for normal white men or normal men, let's put it that way. But, uh, you know, I understand it's going down. So, you know, what's the big agenda? How come Bill Gates knows there's gonna be a new virus and before it comes out? And how come he's already got the antidote before it comes out, you know? Um, if you remember the Georgia Guidestones, they were, uh listing the Ten Commandments of what the world needed. And one was to have a population reduced to less than 500 million people globally. Well, that's a 90, 95% reduction of population. Which, what could cause that? Maybe they know. And they're just buying time. Because remember, if they know about Nibiru or something that's coming our way, for who's them not to tell us. They can't tell us because we or they um, don't have a solution. So again, the government will never tell you about a problem they don't have a solution for because it'll be instant meltdown, instant anarchy. So, um, you know, it's it, you can't turn on 
the news in the morning. I had so many people say, I can't watch any news, Fox, anybody. And, uh, you know, I have a habit, first thing I do to see what's going on in the world, I turn on the news. Um, so I haven't been able to break that habit yet, but it's my job to know what's going on, you know. Um, and if I can re read between the tea leaves on behalf of my members, then I, I need to do that and put out on it. They, on the other side of the coin, are constantly telling me stuff. Um, you know, a lot of one guy is constantly telling me that his 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 name is Chicken Little because this guy is always wrong. You know, and so I've learned to take it, take what he says with a grain of salt. Um, but uh, you know, the the small somebody said something about this recently. I don't know it was Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. But he said uh, the, the small vocal majority or minority is, uh, is in charge of this country. Now, why? You know, so a lot of people think we're, we're about to see a civil war. And I will tell you, if, if this election is considered rigged, um, you know, uh, with ballots that aren't signed, ballots that weren't folded, they didn't uh, go through the machine, they didn't come in by mail, they just appeared in big bins uh, and with no objection, no um, no appeal, uh, if you will, and look what happens if you do, look at Georgia, look at you know, Trump right now. But, um, you know, if that's felt this time around, I think you're gonna see uh, a resurrection, an insurrection, um, revolution. And uh, I don't advocate it, trust me. I don't want to be a part of it. In fact, people ask me, why are you in San Diego? What are you doing in California with everything you know? And I'm in a pocket that we really don't, it's it's more conservative. So. And it's that way because you can't live very, you don't have a couple of nickels. And uh, like this home is probably worth six million dollars. So, um, but I am fully aware of the community that's around me, and just about every time I go to Starbucks, I have to face it. You know, that's um, a long story. But, anyways, the uh, the answer to why I'm here is a seventy degrees, seventy five degrees outside, pure sunny. Not a, uh, a couple little scattered clouds, uh, dry, and this is late September. It'll be the same throughout October. January could be hotter than this in clear blue. So why I'm here is what? Uh, number two is appreciation. You know, if I bought a home in somewhere you know, Midwest or whatever, uh, let's say Connecticut, not Midwest, but let's say I had a home in Connecticut and I paid 200 grand for it 10 years ago. Today it might be worth 250. Okay. So you don't really enjoy appreciation. Whereas here, I'm appreciating at a half a million to a million a year. Why would I want to stop that? You know? So, and if what happens happens and it all goes, you know, to hell, uh, an handbasket. I got my foot in the other side, which is called Venus. So that that real estate will go up. But you know, I figure every day that I can survive here, enjoy, uh, is a day I'm gonna uh, well that I will enjoy. And I would say one day in California is worth thirty days just about anywhere else. One day in Del Mar. Okay? So it's um, but we I constantly get together with friends um, and say. Where would you go if you wanted to leave California? Oh, and by the way, our income tax rate is 15%, I believe. So I write the state some pretty big checks, but South Dakota, it's zero. So if you make that your address, Wayne, you will not have to pay any income tax. So, um, and I don't know how aggressive Colorado will be as well. You don't really live there full time. And you, you know, so yes, I do. But they can audit you and do all sorts of things. But um, what I'm saying is, when I talk to my friends and they're from all over the world, I'll say, "Where 
where would you go? And we will discuss it. And at the end of the day, there's nowhere to go. There's so no Robert, safe. There's ahead. no safe. There's no safe place on the planet that's totally safe. There's safer places, and that's what I think Vivas is. I happen to agree, and you're going to hear me talk about that a little more frequently in the future, everybody. And I'm hoping to become really good friends with Robert over time. I'm going to go visit him in San Diego sometime here in the near future. It's Wayne, 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 we, we already are. In fact, I thought we picked out the curtains recently. <laughs> and now we can, we can always laugh at that. Well, it's top of the hour, everybody. And Robert, we want to be respectful to you and to our audience. And, and we have a lot more people that view this as a replay. And an hour is about what they expect. So thank Good. you so much. This has been awesome. We, um, we're, we'll, we've got some questions from the audience that we'll probably get to you. And maybe we can answer them a little bit later. We've answered most everything that they did bring up that I saw in the chat. Mark, thank you for your help. Robert, thank you for taking your time. We really appreciate it. Lisa, thank you. Areeb, thanks. I think Areeb had taken off. He had something else going today. And um, Robert, we'll talk again soon. And I'll tell you, I love the fact that I have a bunker in Vivos and in, in Next Point. And I look forward to spending a lot of years, hopefully, doing fun things there. But it's where I'll be if things go bad. So anyway, everybody, thank you. Robert, thank you. You have any last things to say? We provide financing. Yes, that's right. Here's <laughs> the bottom line, um, if needed. Uh, so we try to make it as affordable to everyone. I don't know. I gave you a lot, both you know, oh, problem, problem and solution. You know, you don't need a solution without a problem, but so I kind of jumped around, but I'm, did, hopefully it was, it, was, it was good. Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much. And Mark, why don't you take us out? Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT Community Podcast.